Hi, everybody, and welcome to Girl Club. We are live Monday morning. And for those of you who join us regularly, then you kind of already know that Girl Club has moved from Saturdays live to Monday mornings live. Why? Because we want to start our week with you and we want you to start your week with us. And so to encourage you to get reminders so you know when we're live, so you can join the dialogue all around the world about all things with us, real girls having real talk about real issues and seeking to apply and figure out what real faith actually looks like in the world that we live in today. So um, subscribe. I think the button's down there somewhere. Subscribe to us uh, so you can get YouTube notifications and notifications about when we're on. And you can also go to listen to us on podcast on all of your favorite podcast platforms. We are there. We are there now. We are live. You will be able to hear this message indefinitely anytime you want. And the same with um, this particular uh, live broadcast. You can catch us at Cynthia Garrett Ministries. Go to Girl Club to see um, all of our past and uh, future broadcasts. So anyway, joining me this week are two of my favorite Girl Club crew members, Tribe, family, Nova Page, and Christina Reynolds. So let's welcome them on screen. Hey, girls. Hi. Hello. Good morning. Hi, Good morning, sunshines. Good morning. <laughs> I like the Monday morning start. I do, too. Yeah, I was right. Love it. And I got to tell right. you, it was kind of nice to have my Saturday. <laughs> oh, I slept. I, it's the first time I slept in, in a very long yeah. time. Well, and I know when you guys have kids and I remember, you know, when Christian was your kid's age and it's like the weekends are kind of like, okay, it's family, all things family time. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, it's surf mania over at my house. So I got to go and be a part of surf world. So it was good. Uh, Yeah. You got to, you got to tell everybody you're, you're a little nine-year-old, right? Shiloh. Yeah. Shiloh. Yeah. You you guys wait for it. She's like a major up and coming (laughs) surf star. Like, hello, uh, Bethany Hamilton. Look out. Here she comes. I I mean, she, that's her, that is her like inspiration. And that was her inspiration for starting to surf in the very first place. We would catch her in our pool with a little surfboard. My uh, son bought her and she would like step up on that surfboard and just try to balance in the pool. And that's when we knew she had a total passion for surfing. And now she is, um, she's starting a campaign to help um, a foster dad raise money for like um, his kids to get a, a vehicle so he can have all of his foster kids in one vehicle. And I mean, oh, she's, wow. yeah. Yeah. So she knows that like it's and surfing is awesome and it takes a lot of courage, but it's not just about surfing. Like yeah. all of us know in the things that we do, it's not just about that one thing, but it's about living out um, of like, you know, out of, you have these gifts, but God wants to use them in, in a different way. And it's just not for self. Yeah. Uh, not for that's always so cool. about self and self-promotion. So she's learning that in her little life. So I, that's what gets me excited and amped up about her surfing. Cause you know, it's great to be great at something, but you can use, God can use you in, in such powerful ways. So kind of cool. So wow. you, you, you mean at nine, she's already learned the lesson of surrendering your gifts and your talents <laughs> to the Lord. I wonder where she learned that from, mom. Right. <laughs> man. Well, man, it's, it's, it's been very fun to, to, be a part of, yeah. of what God's doing with her little life, you know? So 
you know, we'll see what God does. And we're just along for the ride and trying to, we always say that, like we've shared many times, like our kids, like our ceiling is there or our floor or our ceiling is their floor. Right. So like they're going to, what we have and what we can offer then they can use and God goes from there. So just fun to be a part. I love that story. Yeah. Yeah. Shiloh.page. What, what? (laughs) What, what? I know. But by the way, I follow her on Instagram. Okay. Oh my gosh. I do. I do. do. Yeah. But you know what, Christina, I also follow you though on Instagram and TikTok because I'm obsessed with your dance videos on TikTok. My dance videos. Oh my God. Look at you. You guys, you're both talented. Christina is like, I want her to be my dance coach, be my shuffle oh coach. Oh my gosh. I'm I a horrible coach. I'm more like a drill sergeant. I don't know if you oh. know. Okay. Yeah, but this, you guys, this, this this chick here can dance, man. It is oh crazy. It is crazy. And you guys learn to dance. Well, you, you're, you know, you're it's learning. It's like she's on a cloud. I'm like, how are oh. you? How are you doing that? I'm like, where that is she is going? I, uh, it's great. It's Fun. really, it's really crazy. I mean, maybe Christian music artists will start to have girls in their videos and you can choreograph them. <laughs> no, thanks. That was a joke. Because you know what? There may be some Christian artists out there who, who actually takes that one and runs with it. Do not. Okay. We're in okay, the world. We're, we're not of the world. <laughs> we are so digressing right now. Okay. Welcome Monday morning, girl yes, club. Welcome. Also, well, good morning, Miche. She's asking what I'm drinking. This is a um, brown sugar iced latte. that I. It's a dupe uh, from uh, Starbucks. I made it myself. <laughs> yay, Starbucks. What, what, what Starbucks. Will we be, what will we I mean, be without our Monday morning Starbucks right here on Girl well, Club? Homemade Starbucks, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Nespresso. I'm sorry, Starbucks. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. You know Wait, what? It's not Starbucks. It's it's technically Califia. Oh okay. my gosh, are we getting paid that's... for this? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're not getting we paid have... for this. Wait, Anna, sleep it we out. We just did our Starbucks one. Now let's switch. I have a Nespresso <laughs> maker, and all I drink is Nespresso because I start every Monday morning girl club with my Nespresso. Nice. Oh Anybody goodness. else? We, you guys, you guys, we need to hit up some corporate sponsors for sponsorships here. So you know, Califia we can help. Coffee, Califia, Cali- is it Califia or oh, Califia? No, it's Cal- Califia Farms. Califia I Farms did- cold yes. brew. Yes, I discovered them. You guys, I discovered Califia Farms before anyone else knew about them. Mm. And I made it my personal mission to tell everyone because they have the best everything, the best almond milk, the best oat milk, the best like cold brew. Love Califia Farms. I need to try their oat milk. Oh my goodness. You guys, we figured, you know, we have some real loves and some real things that we start our Monday morning with. So we might as well turn it into like some little mini commercials. Maybe we can get some sponsorship for Girl Club over here. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Thank you. You guys, as you know, you know, for those of you who've been around joining us, we, especially these last few weeks, we have had some pretty crazy cool conversations um, about people who love Jesus, but don't necessarily love the church so much. And it is really fascinating to get your feedback. There, there are so many amazing and powerful and wonderful reasons to love your local church and to love church. And there are people, I mean, like Christina Boudreaux, our other 
you know, tribe family member here. She's not with us this morning because she's not feeling well, but she's very active in her church with her church groups and, and everything and the, her young girls ministry. And, um, you know, Christina and Nova have both been in leadership forever um, and worked with church forever. And they're both amazing singer songwriters and worship leaders, but they're also amazing teachers and pastors. So, you know, we come to this conversation with a world of experience and a world of questions and passion to figure it out because we don't want to just brush over the fact that we encounter a lot of people and us in certain seasons of our lives who've been really hurt by church, by church people, by leadership, you know, by a lot of things that I'm getting a lot of feedback about um, you know, hypocrisy or pastors who've fallen off their platforms. And which is why I always say, don't put us on a pedestal, keep us right down on the same level as you are, because that way, if we stumble, you know, you're right there to pick us up. We don't have to fall so far. So rock star Christianity and pastors on pulpits with, you know, mics and lights and cameras and action, you know, it sets the stage potentially for a lot of stuff to creep in. And, then there are some amazing churches. You know, I've mentioned some that exist around the world that I've been a part of speaking at their conferences and really watching the way they run their local churches like CRC and um, Pastor Ray McCauley Sr.'s Rayma Ministries. Pastor Ray is just amazing. But I mean, when I look at just a network of and a movement, man, C CRC and Planet Shakers, Pastor Russell Evans out of Australia. These are some amazing churches who are really, their goal is really to, to, to make disciples, to get people saved and to disciple them and help people grow. And that should be the goal, you know? And so we've been really looking a lot at the Western church because I think there's a lot of um, taking things for granted in the Western church. You know, Why? Well, because we have cold brews and Starbucks and video games and big screen televisions and lots of cars and lots of distractions and lots of things that have become idols. And um, those idols, we sometimes love more than we love people. And when you're in a position of leadership, your job is to love people. And if you're not loving people well, people are getting hurt and damaged. And you know what? They're hating the church. And they're becoming disillusioned with Jesus, you know, with God because of the behavior of, of man. So for all of you listening right now, you know, don't, don't make your judgments on the church because of people, you know, try to love Jesus the way that he loves you. And so really get to know how Jesus loves you. Cause I think that's really important. And um, I mean, Christina and Nova, I mean, we've gotten all these interesting comments. Anna, if you, you know, kind of uh, throw some of the feedback that we've gotten up just about people and their experiences with church. Um, P. News says, thanks for this brave conversation. Church is disillusioning because there's too much self-love, not Christ love. And that one, that, one that, that is powerful. There's too much self-love, not Christ love. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I'm sorry. No, go. go no, I was just going to say, Nova, I had, I had a conversation with someone this weekend who really thinks that it's okay to have sex out of wedlock. 
that, it, you know, that if you love someone and you bring Christ into the relationship, you're in covenant. I'm like, no, covenant is married. Oh, yeah, it's way different. But, but this is a mature believer, but one's a mature believer, one's an immature believer. Neither are going to church regularly. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Would, would yeah. going to, would, so my, my question is, and we have a special guest who's going to pop in today in, in about 10 seconds here. Um, he's one of my favorite theologians and uh, men of God. He is so much my favorite. You guys, I decided to marry him and, <laughs> and Christina and Christina and Nova know my hubby, Roger Charles, but um, before Roger pops it, Hey, Raj, there you are. You can pop in. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you heard in the studio that comment, um, too much self-love, not enough Christ love, but I'd love Nova, you were going to say something. I'd love to get you and Christina's comment on that comment as we jump back in here. Um, I I mean, I think there's a, a two different, you know, as maybe that was somebody who was, who is going to church, I think as a leader that has become very like in your face, so much self-love, um, and not so much Christ love. And I, you know, it's really interesting because just like being in boots on the ground, being going to different churches, I was at a campus, um, yesterday leading worship at a church that just really gets it so beautifully. If they just really make it about people and there's no like hoopla, it's just about like being with people and laying hands on people and hugging people and being present. And we had this really amazing conversation as a team, like just to meet people where they are and to just be the hands and feet of Jesus. And it, it it's like, if you just take away all the stuff and just come very simply, it just, it felt so like it should be normal, but it felt super fresh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah. and so yeah. when we get in that celebrity pastor mode where it's like mm-hmm. so much self um, promotion and make sure you get the right Instagram shot. And I, I get all that, but I don't, um, it just, it, it, yeah. it actually, it sets up the leader for so much failure. And I think as we lead people, my husband and I, we don't want to set our leaders up for this failure, like pump them up so much in the ego sense of the word. Mm-hmm. And then they, they fly somewhere where we're just like, what are you doing? Like, this isn't uh, how we raised you, you know, like we raised mm-hmm. you to, you know, love God, serve God and bless people, not like be a rock star. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah. My experience yesterday was that of really seeing like people be the hands and feet and it was just really refreshing and beautiful. And I loved it. It's awesome. You know, it's the, the most, Okay. So some of the most amazing men and women of God that I know I've met, and I think Roger would say the same in our travels around the world in ministry are, they're not known. They're not famous. You know, they, some of them have tiny churches and small ministries. And um, do you think that the model of Christian business just contributes to this problem with people becoming and loving themselves more than Christ. Because, you know, think about it. Like even Christian television is just, okay, sucks. The model of Christian television sucks. And I'm, I can say I am on 
TBN. And I, I can say it because I refuse to play with the model, which is you pay for your airtime. I was explaining that to someone this weekend. They were blown away. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, big ministries have to be big and have a lot of money because they pay for their time slot to be on television, on Christian television, because the model is not the same as secular television, secular network television. The shows are paid for and the the people are paid to do a job because Mm -hmm. of advertising and sponsorship. That's why we're kind of joking when we were making all the coffee and the Califia farm jokes about sponsorship, because Mm -hmm. we just fundamentally just, we don't push for money and funding and we don't ask anyone to pay to be here. So, and I believe that that is what the love of Christ is about. Like the Bible says, freely you have received, so freely give. And I get that it takes money to run ministries, to turn the lights on, to pay the electric bills yeah. so that people do yeah. have a place to come and worship. I get all that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that there's this place that we've gone through, in the gone to, in the business model, publishing companies, you know, media companies, uh, radio, like where in a way you're taking people who may not be super intelligent. They may not have ever been around a lot of wealth. They may not have ever been around a lot of fame. And then you're putting them in this model. And then when they start to get some traction, how do you expect them not to fall in love with themselves more than Christ? A, because I don't think man was meant to be famous. There's only one famous one. There's only one who's exalted on the throne, right? And I think that anytime you take human beings and they start to feel a little throne-like power, they're wired to go crazy. I mean, look what happened with Lucifer and his fall. That's exactly it. That it is a little bit devastating. I know like a number of years ago, I was going to, you know, I had a manager and we were you know, figuring out what tours I could, would, could go on. And what we realized very soon is like, they make you pay a lot of money to go on these tours. And I was like, well, I don't have the money, so I'm not going. And, you know, you just kind of get robbed of opportunities uh, because we get robbed. Everyone who didn't get to see you and the anointing that you carry, which I know is powerful, you and Christina, they didn't get to see you. Why? Because the, the group with more money could pay. And maybe that wasn't even a group that was anointed. They just had some cash. Yeah, it's, it is very interesting. And yet I go, you know what? Like, I mean, I obviously have released all that and, and, but, but I, but I, I, I probably, what I learned in all that is I really don't want to play the same game. Right. That right. the world plays that has infiltrated the church and mm-hmm. set itself up above the people like we are God's children, all of us. And he died for all of us the same way, equally. And so, yeah, it, it's just disheartening because it becomes the church becomes like the one percenters of the world. There's like one person on top and they, you know, do, and listen that we know that's not in every organization. So, I, I mean, that's right. not been my experience with, you know, every church or whatnot. But you totally. see these rise and falls of of these larger organizations. And and but in a way, I think it can happen in the small, too, because absolutely th- because they're modeled that. And they think yeah, that right. that's the thing. And they're trying to look a certain way. Um, yeah. yeah. 
But I mean, yeah, I, we've had some big ministries come tumbling down. I mean, yeah. in the last yeah. year or two, like big, massive, you know, the shakeups yeah. at Hillsong, the shakeups at, you know, just these different places with different names that, you know, we go, whoa, you know, or pastors who cheated once, twice, you know, three times. And every time it's a public apology and a big splashy, you know, reunion with the wife. And, and it's just, it's worldly. It's worldly. We're not supposed to be like the world. I know that we're imperfect and that humans make mistakes, but, but then you got to get off the pulpit for a minute. I think you got to, I, I, I actually do agree with that. Now here's the thing, like, uh, cause that is a very big topic of like when people fall in ministry, we have to see, you know, my husband carries a really big gift and like then that reconciliation, getting people reconciled and really helping them. I mean, he saw a young pastor, like kind of do some real stupid stuff before he ever came into ministry. We were setting him up for a ministry experience, but he kind of did some messed up things. My husband made him wait and kind of discipled him through and then placed him and, and, and mentored him and saw him. But it was, it was a, like, it was just this working and it was discipling and it wasn't, you don't get to be on a platform right now because, mm. you know, like things it's just, it's, you you're not you ready, your heart. Your you heart don't get to be rewarded for your bad behavior, which, right. right. Which I, I, honestly, I hate to go there, but you just actually described the kind of reconciliation and the kind of love that would benefit Will Smith. I mean, yeah. okay, we're fresh off the Oscars, right? The Oscar weekend. Yeah. And this, everyone knows about the slap heard around the world by this point yeah. when, when he kind of lost <laughs> it and went up on stage and smacked Chris Rock. And yeah. it is really interesting because this is a perfect example. You know, it's like he fell, right? Like a pastor falls. And then the- And model- he does claim Christ. Should we note that? He does claim, he did claim Christ, correct? Yeah, he has okay. in the past. Okay. Now okay. I, I yeah. can't judge what he sure. and his wife what walk he is says. Like. Right. That so okay. Right. And and you know, and, and I remember I thought it was very interesting because he said, you know, when he I mean, Chris Rock was bullied as a little boy. So imagine him in that moment and his brokenness going, I've just been bullied by the biggest boy on the playground. I mean, he's the best actor winner. Like everyone knew he was going to win and he's sitting there on the front row. And then, so now you're like the little kid who's being bullied and, and everyone applauds. Cause that's what happens with bullies. So my heart just aches for him. Then my heart ached, aches for Will, because it's like, what's going on that what's going on that you're there. And, right. and if anyone really cares about him, they need to rush in and help him like mentally and really, you know, dive into the issue. And, and then he made the, the statement about what Denzel said, which was, um, you know, at your highest, that's when the devil comes looking for you. I know. And, and that's when I knew, by the way, it wasn't like staged. It was real because I've, that's Denzel. That's literally, I mean, he would say that. That is advice that he would give, which was beautiful and true. However, what the Holy Spirit said to me was, no, 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 no. Don't be mistaken. Will and Jada's highest was not at the Oscars that night. Their highest was the moment in their life when they became so rich and famous that they could open the door to sin in such a huge way. What sin, you ask yourself? Okay, well, I'm sorry. You know, the open marriages, the, the, 
the adultery, the all of the things that they've talked about and been open about and the unconventional, you know, the world uses this word unconventional. I just cry for them because they've been totally deceived and robbed by and, the and enemy. They've had no, and they've had no, you know, if they were or did claim Christ, they didn't have anybody come alongside them and really shepherd them and mentor them. And I don't know if she ever claimed Christ. Apparently he know. has, I don't know, but you know, that in and of itself, it is so sad because it, I mean, that famous, like being so famous is such, man, when you not only smell your own perfume, but you drink it, it just becomes toxic to your soul. And then it's never enough. And it's addictive. It's never enough. And we see it outside the church and we see it in the church. It's like, it's never enough. You need more and more. And it's like, whoa, who's getting the glory here? It's, I, I don't know. It's just like, if you get glory on this earth, that's all you get. So, you know, if that's what you want, that's what you're going to get. Right. And I, what I saw was literally the enemy laughing at the Oscars going, sure. okay, yeah, I've been working on, I, I came for them and have been coming for years. And this was my crowning moment. And that's what's so sad because I know that they have been robbed in their lives of truth and the truth of what Christ really wants for us. And if if the biblical model of restoration is followed, like the church mm-hmm. model, then mm-hmm. I pray, I've been praying for real Christians who will really go in and help to actually restore their souls. Because once their souls are restored, then then I think everything, their, their, their family, their lives, you know, God doesn't care if Will Smith wins an Oscar. He cares about Will Smith's eternity. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's really, you know, and I, and honestly, so back to leaders who love themselves more than Christ, the problem Mm -hmm. is that for guys as famous as Will, and I see it all the time with Lenny, my brother, right? It's hard for them to find a pastor who will really call them out and minister to them. Why? Because they become, pastors become groupies too. I I sent that, that article with, uh, was it Vanity Fair interview, Justin Bieber? Mm-hmm. And he completely cut his ties with Hillsong, but he did give, he did say that Judah Smith was, or Jude, is it Judah Smith or Judah? Hill? It's Judah, Judah Smith, Judah Smith. Yeah. Oh God. Okay. Don't, sorry. Don't quote me on that. But, um, but him never, he, he said that he was the one pastor who actually cared about him more than his fame. And, mm-hmm. and, and I just, and, and actually was like, gave him an example to live by. And I just want to say that I feel like what we're talking about, like this whole problem with fame is is an issue of idol worship it's an issue mm. of idolatry which which to me of course it's like the judah devil's did like yeah judah did wash his feet on stage at a concert this past year i heard and i kind of oh, was like he? yeah i was Washed like what is feet? oh bieber's and i was like what maybe he was i don't know maybe he was rolling high i think it was i think it, I yeah I think it was, but I, I mean, I don't know Judah. My brother's met him. He seems to be a nice guy. I don't know anything about him. I've heard great things about his ministry, but I think it's more like that Justin Bieber kind of saw somebody on stage and off stage and didn't see a huge dichotomy. I totally. think he saw that he loved his family. He loved his Her family, family. Yeah. you know, and that's, and that's what that he says it. That's what he was drawn to is the family. Yeah. Like you, totally. can take, you can have the lights you can have, but when you come into someone's home and you see how they nurture their kids and their wife and you, you, I'm, I'm sorry, but you really can't fake that. Like when people are around it enough, right. Um, 
they're going to see your good, bad, ugly. And, and, and they can also see all that and go, okay, they're real and life is real. And then we, we all need Jesus. <laughs> so it's not because mm-hmm. Jude is perfect. It's because he sees um, Christ's perfection working in that family, I think. And again, I don't know them, so I'm not like, yay for yeah. this Smith, but I'm sure they're, you know, they've modeled that in a way that mm-hmm. was beautiful for him and his little right. sweet wife. Something that he so, saw, he saw authenticity there. Something yeah. that he didn't have yes. that provoking. Well, think of, and he's, he's, you know, his family's broken, Justin's. And I, and I felt like mm-hmm. even when he married, um, Haley, Haley, and when he married my sister's, my, my, I mean, my, my son's wife, so cute because my son had a crush on her. It's so cute. Oh. So I always say Justin married my son's wife. Got <laughs> Justin got, oh, he got her. her. He got her. Yeah, <laughs> she's so cute. And she's got such a great family. Their yeah. parents are strong Christians and were yeah. like Christians before it was chic to be yeah. a celebrity Christian. Yeah. They yeah. were vocal before. And, yeah. you know, her dad is a Baldwin. And, yeah. and he basically, you know, kind of was outed in a lot of celebrity circles because he was a loud, proud believer in Jesus for many, many years that I always loved him because of that. And, you know, had met him and known him in past years and had him on talk shows or what have you. And, and it was awesome. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh. And you know, he's like a real believer in this business. How cool. And yeah. so vocal and loving on so many people. And I just, I was like, if when I read that article about, and he mentioned Judah and he said the family, I, I knew that that's true. There's something authentic here about him because Justin would be drawn to that because he didn't have that. And I also believe that the Baldwin family represented that. So I kind of get the whole the whole like click with he and Haley and, and, you know, I wish last night on the Grammys that, I don't know the lyrics in his songs. It's like, I don't know. I still want him to go to another level. Cause I still think there's secularism is secularism. And when do we let go of it? Yeah. And you never know, honestly, what contractually he's under either. We don't know that. Like, we don't know. We don't know some of the, like, I don't know. And I just assume like, it's not always just wrapped up with a perfect bow, but you're right. Like I, I think that he is had these moments of like clarity. And then I think he's also been lamb blasted by the truth of what he's seen happen in the rise and fall of people that said, loved him and, and loved the Lord. And so, you know, he's still young and impressionable. And I think that that has, you know, caused him to, you, you can tell he's really just trying to work it out. Um, yeah. I don't know him, but you, he's trying to work hey, it out. Hey, listen, ain't we all just trying to work? We're out all our just trying to work it out. Yeah, yeah. If I was, if my life was so. was televised, you'd be like, she's a hot mess. <laughs> so if my life was televised. Here, so I can't life- sit here and judge anybody. <laughs> you know. No. Yeah. Right. It's, you know what? Yeah. So I know. I, yeah. It's, it's so I mean, true. it's out there. So we're talking about it for sure, but you're right. So like true. it's, um, but it's that not. is the price you pay of being, you know, very right. public as well. So could you yeah. imagine, I've said this to Roger before. I am so happy that social media and cameras weren't everywhere through my whole walk through celebrity <laughs> and fame. Cause Let me tell you something. Those skeletons that are buried in my closet, no one got a picture of them. And that is my blessing. Because, man, it's true. Like, 
these kids have a whole different road to walk because they're they they're not just working out their salvation, which is an extremely mature concept, you know, spiritually. They're working out their lives and their issues and their brokenness from their families and their everything, their emotions, their relationships, everything with the entire world watching. It's cray cray. It is very crazy. Um, But I think something about just what we were talking about, about the issue of family and how I think family is so important. And like the more that I'm digging into this, like, what is the church? What is the church? Mm -hmm. Like I'm finding like there's we as the church, like we are God's family. And that that part of the church, I feel, is what I'm longing for. And what I hear from so many people around me are going, I'm looking for community. I'm looking for community. Like, I'm just getting so lonely. I'm looking like, where can you suggest a place for me to go for community? And at the end of the day, that is longing for it to be a part of something, to be part of the family of God. And you see how it's alluring to the world who are broken, who haven't experienced family. Um, And I think like that, that just makes me go, how do we live our lives as believers who love Jesus? Mm-hmm. And how do we like emanate the family of Christ? You know, you may not, you may not have your own family yet, or you maybe you do or, you know, whatever, but like that, that expression of his body we can have to the world. Does that make sense? So I'm, I'm trying oh, to like yeah. work that out. No. You know? y- yeah. I, what you're saying, Christina, I just talked oh, to my 21 year old son and this, you literally said verbatim, he's like, he goes, I'm not like looking for like super duper, like preachy, whatever. I just want real relationship. And that's what he's always been drawn to from a little boy. Like he didn't go to his youth group because his youth pastor was the best speaker in the entire planet. His, his youth pastor really cared about him and loved him and showed up at baseball games and, Mm. you know, like really shepherded him, you know, and was really pastored him. And so that's what drew him, that family aspect, that community. And he continues to say like, that's, that's what I want. I'm not drawn to like, cause yeah, I don't mind going to a concert every once in a while. That's cool. But I know it's going to be like, that was awesome. But it, yeah. it, there's zero next steps for that yeah. for him. Right. And he yeah. wants to grow, you yeah. know, and, and, um, and what he's learned about discipleship from his youth pastor. Um, and now he's able to do with his friends and he's, yeah. he's learned that, but that's what he wants. That's what that generation wants is community. It, you're, you're spot on. Yeah. And, and, and in, commu- you know, in community, there's, there is so much and, and Roger, I, you know, I'm ready. I, I know you're being so patient. He's just like kind of checking it out, <laughs> listening to us. And and I, I but I do just want to address um, a question from uh, P. New. Um, Will, just so you know, yes, Will and Jada at one point started a Christian church in the community I used to live in. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the church, the, the, the pastor, Mark Jackson, who... Uh, Okay, so some yeah. of you will know is a is an NBA Hall of Fame actually point guard, and he's also a pastor. He's the one of the biggest personalities in um, professional basketball with ESPN. He is an amazing man of God and a good friend. And I have often said that I would take three bullets for him because he led my son to Christ. And um, and not only did he lead my son to Christ, he led all my son's friends to Christ all through high school. Obviously, you got a bunch of young brown basketball playing kids and you have a legend on a pulpit with his church. And ha, 
and he could preach the socks off of anyone I know. And he could literally stand up and talk about Twinkies. And the second he said, okay, you who wants to get saved, there was like a rush to the altar, uh, an anointing for evangelism. He started his church. He and his wife started their church because they sort of had started this church with Will and Jada, but it, they were kind of going in different directions. So they, so I know that there has been, you know, um, there's definitely been an acquaintance and, you know, and an openness. And I assume, you know, some professions of faith in Christ where they are in their walk, Will and Jada, I don't know, but um, I do agree with Pinu that, you know, you can't attribute Christian characteristics to unsaved people. I, you know, look, I assume that anybody unsaved will do anything. Um, but because we're dealing with people here who have all at one time or another, you know, said Jesus, or, I mean, for Will to even recognize where Denzel was coming from with the quote about the devil means he understands. I mean, Denzel is a Christian, you know, he and Pauletta are Christians period through and through. Um, so anyway, um, Roger, I guess my question to you is, what do you make of all of this? Well, I mean, the first thing is, whatever standard we hold Will Smith to, it's not the same as a pastor. Uh, to, oh, <laughs> of course. Yes. So yes. we got a much higher standard for a pastor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just for starters, I will say this, in Will Smith's book, Apparently, he recounts watching his mother getting beat by his father. Um, and he could never defend her. And he said the biggest mistake in his life was not defending the women in his life. And I think that book was out a few years ago. So that's probably the background behind everything that happened. His brokenness. Uh, yes. When he feels... His wife getting mistreated, his, his uh, emotions are triggered to defend his mother. Right. So, <clears throat> mm. I get the psychology of it totally. Well, it's well, brokenness. But my, my point is this. That's no, and I mean no excuse whatsoever for what he did. But hopefully it's a moment where he can go, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. and he can find out. Like he can deal with it, maybe, finally. And uh, let's hope so for him. But it has very little to do about the church. Like even the analogy between, I will say this. I saw somebody say, um, never let the worst thing you did in your life define you. Mm. which is a pretty good mm. thing to remember, right? The worst thing you did or the worst thing that happened to you? No, the worst thing that you did. Wow. Okay. I mean, obviously you shouldn't let anything that happened to you define you in any way. Obviously it's something to you has nothing to do with who you are. Right. Right. So although you can allow it to have a lot to do with who you are, if you, if you let it and Satan does this, it's the biggest trick. This is who you are. What you went through makes you who you are today. 
that is baloney. God made you who you were when you were born. Yeah. It's good. And done deal. David in Psalm 23 said, he restores my soul. When you restore something, you're putting it back to how it was. There was something that happened to David's soul that needed restoring back to how God made him. And we forget that the enemy is going to lie over and over and over. Because you were raped, because you did this bad thing, whatever, you are of this. No, you're not. Do you ever notice God doesn't label people on an individual basis? Mm. He never, after David's adultery, he never says, now the adulterer, David. Mm. Hmm. He actually committed mass murder because Uriah and the whole troop got wiped out because of David. He never says David the mass murderer. In fact, God says, I take your sins and cast them into the ocean. He says, I don't do this for you. I do this for me. Hmm. He wants to forget what we've done. So quit reminding him. When you bring up over and over the sins of your past, first of all, that's not modeled by anybody in the New Testament. We never see the Apostle Paul saying, well, this one guy I killed, this is how it happened. I did this, and I'm really bad for doing this. He never does that. His labeling of himself, the former self, was I was an injurious man. No, you're a murderer. You got up in the morning and you thought, I want to kill these people. That was you. But he never goes there. And in Ephesians 5, when he's talking about a wife, which is the church, he talks about presenting her spotless. He's saying for the husband to wash his wife with the word so much that she'll be holy, it says. Now, holy and pure. And he'll be able to present her spotless. Why in the world does God want to present the church spotless? The church is not spotless. It is really not spotless. The Ephesian church was especially not spotless. What is the deal? God wants a spotless church, which is why he forgets your sins. If, in fact, one of the worst things that you can do as a Christian is keep bringing up your old sins that Jesus died for. Was mm-hmm. his death good enough or not good enough? If it was good enough, then your sins are forgotten. If it wasn't good enough, you have a much bigger problem. Right. Because you don't realize what he did for you. Mm-hmm. So back to the church. Remember what God's saying. By the way, one of the worst things uh, a wife can do is bring up the things of the past that is not holy, right? The, the One of the worst things to a wife can do to distance herself from her husband is to compare to him to an old boyfriend or bring up, you know, old relationships in his face. That's just 
doing exactly what God said not to do. Well, well, no, Jada present or spotless, right? Holy, clean, like a virgin. Why does God even say this stuff? He's saying it so that you will know how God wants to see you. Yeah. And it isn't just for women. It's for men. I'm the bride mm-hmm. of Christ. This is a, when we do that, and by the way, I've been guilty of doing this. So don't anybody fool anybody. I've been guilty. You know, especially when somebody who doesn't know me, you know, met me recently and they're like, well, you never did anything wrong. And then I start saying what I did wrong. It's like, hold on, stop. Nobody. I'm supposed to be presented as holy. I'm supposed to. I can say, no, I've done, I've done plenty of wrong. But I don't have to go to specifics. That is stupid. And that's when my testimony becomes a bragamony about my worldliness in the past. Bragamony. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've heard, yeah. we've all heard of, we've all heard of bragamony before. I, we had a guy, we, we let a guy, this is when I learned a powerful lesson about ministry and talking about like church and even small group gatherings. When, when, when you are in a position leading something, um, you have to be very prayerful about who you give your platform to, you know, and a lot of leaders at pastors are not, you know, I've gone to some churches and been like, why is this person speaking, you know, just because they're famous or what have you, that's not right because of X, Y, and Z. But we learned that lesson the hard way is we let a pro football player who all the kids were totally like, who with, so we, uh, you know, we thought, oh, let him, let, let him share his testimony. He shared his testimony. And let me tell you something. He educated a whole bunch of college kids in Kansas about ways to sin that I trust. Trust me, they had never heard of before. And I was just like, Roger and I were sitting there like, like we were mortified. <sighs> we're like, wait, hold on a second. And that's when I understood by illustration, the difference between our testimony, revelation, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, our testimony of what Jesus Christ has done in our life and a bragamony, which was his. Yeah, I've been with this many girls and I've had this many this and I've run, and I, let me tell you about how I used to run this particular. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I, yeah, I get it. But I mean, Raj, is all of this just a bigger it's a bigger uh, symptom of where we started. Is there, is there in the church, is there too much self-love and not enough Christ love? Cause that's where we started. Well, I, you know, real selfish love, uh, according to Ephesians five is to love your wife. He who loves his wife loves himself. And what we see in the church is I didn't say I know okay I said self-love not selfish love and you got to explain because then people are going to think you're saying that loving your wife is not right no loving your wife is right and it is loving yourself the bible never says not to love yourself to be a narcissist yeah sure like all things in the world exist for me that's not love that's narcissism 
Anyway, back to what I was saying. The Bible isn't saying that. In fact, the Bible says no man yet didn't love himself. Everybody loves themselves. Look, you wouldn't get out of the way of a car if you didn't love yourself. You're like, please let the car hit me, right? If somebody attacks you, you wouldn't defend yourself. Be like, please attack me. I hate myself. When people say they hate themselves, they don't. They don't hate themselves. They would be literally wanting everything else to damage them. Now there are people who are psychologically, you know, have trouble and do do damage to themselves. But anyway, back to this: men love themselves, and women love themselves. That's a given in the Bible. So. Uh, you muted, Roger. You went mute. Roger, Roger, you went mute. All right. Well, while while my husband figures out that he went mute, I want to take some some of the comments from. Uh, we've we've had a, a few great messages coming in here. Uh, there are six more. Oh, let's see. Anna, Anna, run some of, of Pini's had some great comments in the last couple of weeks. Can you actually run some of her comments on screen? I think Roger just figured out that he muted himself. But um, I, I didn't. A call came through and it muted me somehow. Yeah, oh, yeah, probably. But um, no, I get it. Rog, Rog you, you were going on and on. And, you know, I get I get anxious when you start waxing poetically and not getting, getting to the point for me because I'm because I have ADD. But. The point is, if you love the church, that's it. Do you love the church? I, 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 that is an oversimplification, honey. No, not because as, as Nova said, you would be discipling the church one-on-one. And as you say, love takes time. And you got to give of your time to disciple others. Right. These guys, whether it's Justin Bieber or whoever, they're not discipled. Yeah, they're, they're not. not. And they're the not. worst thing that can happen. They're used is- in a lot of ways. They're used by pastors for their name and their platform. And I look and I've, I've lived in fame and been around it and been a part of it and experienced it my whole life. I went to Beverly Hills High School. I mean, it started there. I, w- I went to school with Nicolas Cage, you know, Fra- who's Francis Ford Coppola's nephew. And I mean, I, it, it's, it's Slash from Guns N' Roses, like. It just goes on and on and on the list of actors and names. And, and this is a problem in the world. There is something in human nature that likes to make idols out of people. And we, and and it, it is in the church. We make idols of our pastors. We make idols of the celebrities who come to our churches. And we think that leaders are different. They're not, they're flesh and blood and they're human, just like, like us. So they often do the same thing. And so what happens is you have a lot of people running around very unchurched who are famous, making mistakes in a very public way, while pastors are just kind of using their name to build on. And it's true. And I see it. Well, there's also an expectation that somehow this famous person will be able to reach people for the Lord. That's the most honest thing I've seen. But the problem is Jesus didn't grab anybody famous to help. Him. Jesus didn't grab anybody. And the wind goes too. <laughs> exactly. 
Right, right, right. <laughs> even it's Levi is, even the dog's barking. He gets it. The dog gets it. <laughs> I love that, Roger. Jesus didn't grab anybody famous. Or rich. Wow. Or, or put together. He had something much better. I mean, Paul was kind of a, you know, uh, but he was, he was like a, a. He was a little more up there, but he was after Jesus was gone. Right, right. Mm. And That's by the right. way. So you mean that what you're saying <laughs> on Girl Club today is that Jesus didn't need anybody to boost his brand, get butts and seats, or become more famous? <laughs> right. Oh, no. Hello. Um, <laughs> True. Jesus. Come on. I'll never so does forget, it... I'll never forget hmm. Chuck Smith said, there's people slandering me out there left and right. They say I'm part of the Illuminati. They say all this stuff because this massive move of God was happening. And he said, Roger, if I go out and try and correct all that and get in the public square, I will never be able to do it all. There's too much. He goes, I noticed that Jesus had a lot of people slandering him. But all Jesus did was go and raise somebody from the dead. And if I can't raise someone from the dead, or heal the blind, then I have a problem. But if God can use me for that, that shuts down everybody who has a criticism because that's what Jesus did. So I'm just concentrating on that. Okay. Amen. Mic drop. We got a great question. Roger, this is a question coming in for you. And I, I this is such a good question from Pinu. And who... If I'm not mistaken, is is a doctor, so a very intelligent, very intelligent question. I love this. Hi, Roger. Your wisdom is so welcome. Please, can you explain? See, it's it's good. We had you as a guest on today, Roger, in this conversation. Please, can you explain this? Modern church life says God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. So who are these who disciples these unqualified but called preachers oftentimes nobody that's my short answer roger no it's exactly what scripture says not to do don't lift up a novice and it took paul many years before he was a leader many years but we looked up 20 year olds that just got saved and and the discipleship thing doesn't happen a lot and you know why it doesn't happen a lot is because we don't do it a lot Mm. we do it and then we get tired of it or whatever and because to disciple means you have to love the person which means you have to give them t-i-m-e and we don't want to donate and give t-i-m-e to make sure people are all the way correct before we give them you know a four thousand people in a church when they're part of an organization, because the sooner we can get them out there in that church, that church is producing money for the organization. It all goes back to what I said in the very beginning, the broken model of Christian business has seeped in. But don't you think this, this kind of takes us back to like the idea of the church being, or God's body being a family. If there are not mothers and fathers who are raising up and training and parenting, like we're, we've all been parents here or we are, or we are all parents here. And realizing the time the energy the effort the constant like redirecting when they mess up or they forget something like it's so true but and, and i just 
And that honestly, in my, in my, uh, in, in the circle of like church that I've been a part of the community around here, the biggest complaint or the biggest longing has been to have fathers or mother, spiritual father or mother, or to have some sort of like covering to help them, you know, that, that security of family, not just like, Hey, we're all brothers and sisters, but having that, like, um, not higher or yeah, the hierarchy, authority, the yeah. hierarchy, well, the, order, well, the parent, the parent, the order, mom and dad, uh, right. mom and dad. You know what? Yeah. I and I do want to share this, you guys, because Ricky and I have experienced yeah. in a lot of. Actually, we got some really good perspective from a father in the faith very recently, and you know we've experienced raising up and discipling these leaders, and I'm going to say a lot of the time. Uh, they're, you know, they're like excited and they're learning and we disciple and we play, we help, blah, 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 blah. And we've learned an important lesson is that we have to let them go. And oftentimes they leave and they're like, um, they forget you, but they want you to be proud of them. And they kind of walk away from you. And it's just like parenting. So, and then uh, if you're lucky, they, they kind of come back around in about maybe five, 10 years. Like, and, and so he shared with us, he goes, listen, this is part of the job when you pastor and shepherd people, you got to let them figure it out. You got to let them go. And sometimes they come back and that's great, but like you have to go into this leadership thing, knowing like they're not yours to keep you. You need to just let them go. And you're not going to, it's, it's hard. Like being a parent is hard. You want to keep them safe and whatever, but they have to go. And then, you know, when they have babies, they come back and they want to eat all your food. And, and he goes, you you know, you just kind of like, look at it that you have to kind of have some perspective. And, and I, I I honestly gave Ricky and I a ton of peace because we realized like, we can't go in thinking it's always going to be like this. And it's, you know, we're going to be in this relationship like it is all the time. It's not, but we're not doing it for us. This is for, this is kingdom. So it's like, this is not about self-love. This is about Christ love. So this is not about us. uh, (laughs) No, totally. And and so I think really to the point of what news really asking here. It's like, so who disciples these, these pe- these guys or girls who feel called to ministry, these preachers. And I think the answer to your question is that who disciples them? Oftentimes it's a couple like Nova and her husband, Ricky, pastor Nova and pastor Ricky. They actually have a ministry that disciples young people or young preachers who feel called to ministry. And they'll often disciple them and help them church plant. Um, my husband and I have a, a, a stable of young spiritual sons and daughters that we actively every day mentor into um, to hopefully one day see them step into the calling on their lives. Now, I think what you have to understand is what Nova's saying is correct. And what Christina's saying about parents, it's, it's correct. It's like we serve sort of as spiritual parents, as do other people of other people who I'm sure have been called to ministry, but it's not like there's any real organized church body that sits over the whole church. I don't think that that's really actively looking at every single person who's going into ministry. Number one, that could be some sort of an issue. 
Um, number two, even if there was or there is, because some denominations will have a whole lot before they allow a per well, most denominations and most ministries think that they have enough before they allow a person to step on a pulpit. But I think a lot of times what happens is that the leadership in an organization recognizes a person who's anointed or who's gifted on a stage, and then they lift them up and put them in a position too soon because it's beneficial to the overall ministry mm-hmm. or, you know, or because it's beneficial to the overall ministry. And so what ends up, what ends up happening, let me finish. What ends up happening is then the parents have not done their job. Well, they've either chosen to push the bird out of the nest too soon because they're busy with five other kids, or they've chosen to push the bird out of the nest too soon because they just don't have the money to pay for college. Or they've chosen to push the kid out of the net too soon because, hey, mom and dad have our own issues. And so you got to go deal with yours. This really does compare. Now let's look at family structure because this is so spot on with what I've observed is happening. And so, and even the most well-meaning of us, when we've spent time and we think, okay, it's time to push this one out of the nest. They're going to have their church. They're going to be awesome. We can't account for the fact that they decide to go drive the car drunk when they know better. And then we don't know that they're going to go AWOL and go rogue and all of a sudden have a little bit of success and lose their ever-loving minds. Like there are those situations where you just don't know that this person's going to poop in the bed the way that they are. And trust me, having been on the other side of it, I know, Nova, that you and Ricky have had your moments where you went, oh, my goodness. We, what, wait, we're not Frankensteins. We weren't trying to make that particular monster. Yeah. So sometimes it's, you just don't know. Sometimes you just don't know. Like, And you get so, I mean, actually, at this point, I guess nothing surprises me um, at all. You know, some of the things that have happened. And, and I, I don't even want to glorify stories, you know, because it's, it's too sad. Like some of the things that some of the stories just is too sad. I don't even want to glorify, but we've seen some young ones who just had so much potential rise and fall. And I, you know, and they are so young, you know, and I'm like, man, this is such a ripoff, you know, but you also can't force people to, um, you can't force people to have character. Like you can't, you can model, you can live alongside. And sometimes it's the instant, instant gratification. Sometimes people are like, we want a marriage like that. And it's like, well, it's taken 27 years and a lot of tears. So, you know, if you're in it, if you want this, then, you know, just stay in it for the long haul. (laughs) Um, You're not going to get it right away. And there yeah. are times when maybe we made it seem simple or easy, but uh, it's not always that. But we, you know. Anyway, yes, Cynthia, yeah. it's uh, heartbreaking to watch it happen. But we can't. We can't make people have character. Like it, it yeah. is, and that is where the long walk with Jesus, you know, comes into play. And realizing that there is. God does redeem people. He, and if, and when people come to him, pastors who have fallen, their story may look really different, but they have peace, the peace with God and the peace of God. They may not have a platform, but it might be the best thing for them. Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah. You know, I, I want to read, um, Pinu has the, uh, the rest of her comment, which is, which is really interesting as we, and we, I know, you know, as we wrap up today, but it is sort of indicative of a lot of what we see, a lot of the reality of what we see. And she goes on to say the pulpit is occupied by cool, good-looking, fast-talking, smooth guys motivating people to come to Jesus in order to be as beloved as they are. Big church in the building is about worshiping Jesus in spirit and in truth. But we're on the clock, and the preach is modeled on a TED Talk with a bit of humor, a bit of contemporary, a bit of motivation. My biggest sadness is the commonest saying across the board, I don't have time to read the whole chapter to you, but go home and read it yourself. Seriously, you can't read the word to preach your word? How long does it take to read the chapter out loud? Surely you can leave out giving the update on your kids. And I got to say, I understand where she's coming from. I get, I get where you're coming from here, Pinu, because you're oh. right. I think a lot of times, a lot, yeah, whoa, a lot of times, a lot of the self stuff could be left off the pulpit. But but man, did you just tap into something deep? Hmm. How do preachers compete with a secular TED talk that can motivate you better, entertain you more in 28 minutes than the sermon maybe on the pulpit from the pastor? I mean, this 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 is an indictment on the church, but it's also a sad thing that I think think we need to really pray about because are we competing is church really just in competition with the secular entertainment committee it shouldn't be it It shouldn't be be. but it really that way it really does this is a confusion in the church where they think that preaching is teaching but it's clearly two separate things in the new testament and teaching doesn't happen in most churches just preaching and preaching is really about preaching the gospel so if all you get is the preaching of the gospel with some platitudes mixed in you're never going to grow right which is why i think she says you know like don't tell me to go home and read it read it out loud and i have to tell you i think a lot of it's interesting. A, a lot of pastors and I've been I've been guilty of this myself and I've done it both ways from time to time. Right. Where you're just, you know, you'll say a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And then there are those times where I'll take the time and read a whole passage. I mean, Roger and I did a, a few weeks on my sessions on TBN series on Timothy, where we unpacked to Timothy chap, uh, chapter three about the last days where you know, Paul gives a warning to Timothy in his powerful letter that says there's going to be dangerous times in the last days because men are going to be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, boastful. And it goes all the way on until it, you know, you get down into um, having a form of godliness. They'll reject the power thereof. And then it even goes into the kind of women who get preyed upon by these kinds of men. And we literally went word by word and unpack that scripture, not even sentence by sentence, word by word. And I got to tell you, it was so satisfying to rip that entire book open like that, because what it made me realize 
yet again was that it's only the wisdom of God that means anything. It's only the study of the word, the real deep study of the word that will make the church beautiful and attractive. Mm -hmm. Because if you're really deeply studying the word, you realize that not one word in the word of God is wasted. And I don't even care what translation you're you're reading. I, I encourage you to get as close to, you know, the original Greek and Hebrew manuscripts, but you can also on blueletterbible.org read your favorite <clears throat> translation. And then you can also look at the Greek or the Hebrew and you can you can go deeper into it. Because oftentimes, you know, these translations are great. And the essence you you think is the same. And for the most part, it is. But man, a word can change a lot. What a difference a day makes. Well, what a difference a word can make in the actual word of God. So you got to make sure that you're reading the Bible to really study the Bible. Because in understanding that, then... I don't know, then, then you, then you're, then you'll start looking for a church and appreciating a church where it's not about entertainment. It's about understanding the actual word of God, because the only powerful thing that changes our lives is the word of God. You know, Jesus says, be ye continually transformed by the renewing of your mind in Christ Jesus. Well, I don't think Jesus said that, but you get it. It's in the Bible. And, um, Oh, that was such a Cynthia-ism. Um, but it's Roger laughs. I'm like, I'm like, to me, Jesus said everything. And it's, but it's by it's 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 because he inspired everything, you know, God inspired it all. But it is interesting because um, thanks, Anna, Romans 12, 2. Um, it's one of my favorite scriptures because I understand that that is the that's the anthem for the fact that we're all a work in progress. That that we know we we're 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 renewing our mind constantly in Christ Jesus, you know, and I, and I think the church and it's why we've really been having this conversation because these statistics are not small. You guys, there are a lot of Christians like 89% who, you know, of a certain number. And then there's the 92% of evangelicals who are going to church, but then there's a large percentage who are not going to church because they love Jesus. They read their Bible. They live Christian lives many of them of service. They're just like in a weird place for whatever reasons with the the flesh that runs the church, you know, and with being hurt and wounded by church and church politics and church structures and church people. And yes, you know, we want to give a place to talk about this because our heart is that we would all love our church and be a part of our, our, our local churches and be able to send and encourage you guys and equip you to know how to find a great church. But we also are not going to run away from the conversation that is real of all those people that write to us that are like, I love God. I just don't love the church so much. That's real. And why? And so in this be being continually transformed by the renewing of our minds in Christ Jesus, we have to bring this reality to Christ and put it at the throne and say, we need some renewal here. We need to understand this issue. We got to talk about it because that's what Jesus, I mean, God is, a, he's a good father. How much more, you know, of a better parent is he than we are to the children that we love so much? He wants us to bring our thoughts 
and our dialogues to him. He wants us to bring our issues, even with his church and even with each other, to him. Why? So that he can help us, so that we can truly be iron sharpening iron, so that we can have these conversations, so that we can figure out why so many people love the church, dot, 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 or love Jesus, dot, 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 but church, eh, not so much. That's real. No? So I, I, I just hope that, you know, these conversations are helping anyone watching to not judge the church too harshly, but to try to understand that it's people who make up this construct called the body of Christ. The body of Christ is the church. We're the bride of Christ. And Jesus loves his bride, even though her dress is tattered and torn. He loves his bride. And some days I'm like, it's a good thing he loves his bride because I don't. (laughs) You know, she is foul. But, you know, we're all human and we get hurt by each other. And I don't know, it keeps boiling down to this question, like, are we loving well? You know, does the church in general, is it loving well? Not so much all the time, you know, and sometimes amazingly well. It's crazy, right? It's kind of like, okay, speechless, you know? Yeah. Anybody? Well, when you put it that way, if it boils down to how well are you loving those around you, then we're all on the hot seat. None of us are doing it perfectly, you know? I think one of the most impactful love definitions that I got was actually from you, Roger. I remember I was calling, I called Roger. I was like, my mom is driving me crazy. I don't even, it was insane. And, um, and he was like, well, Christina, did you know that loving, (laughs) loving with the love of Christ is loving people who annoy you or is loving people who don't like you, who get on your nerves, the hard to love people like that's it's, he's like, you get to love, like Christ loves right now. He's like, otherwise, if you just love people who love you back, who are just easy to love, like that's, that's not God's love. So, I mean, at the end of the day, like I think for myself, even, you know, the cheesy statement, be the change you want to see. Great. But I mean, we're all kind of then um, held responsible, you know, because if we are all the body of Christ, we're all the church, then all that I can do right now is like pray for the church and then love those around me to the best of my ability and with the help and the power of the Holy Spirit, because I clearly cannot do it on my own. So thank you, Roger, for that. <laughs> yeah. You got it. Yeah. And that, that's why <laughs> yeah. the statement that they've made in the past that other people have made, this isn't me, but, you know, if you're tired of the hypocrisy in the church that you see, um, if you find a perfect church, don't go to it because it'll no longer be perfect. So for us, <laughs> if we have, right, if we have people or church that we see that's not perfect. We're not called to the perfect. Jesus wasn't called to the perfect. We're called to make a change in the church, and the church is called to make a change in us. We're not to seek out. Now, we should be fed at church, but we should also be in a church where our gifting is discipling others, helping others, If you're in a place where you can judge that this is not a good church, then you're in a place where you can disciple. 
And then we're the hypocrite if all we do is cancel the churches we don't like. Mm. Because now we're not loving like Christ does the church. No, but Roger, we may need to leave that we feel is toxic or that is toxic to our soul or, and I'm not talking about church jumping. I've never been a hopper. I mean, that's part of my problem. Part of my problem is I'm super loyal. And once I enmesh and get involved, I'm there. And it's a lot easier to get into something than it is to get out of something. And you learn that as you get older in life, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And so I'm slow in because once I'm in, I'm all the way there and I'm your, I'm I'm your fan. I'm going to believe in you. I'm going to support and but there's a lot of people with you know who've been annihilated by you know a church that they're a part of or imp- and improper leadership people who are broken who are leading with ego and I mean I was in a situation with a with a women's ministry where the woman who was running the women's ministry kept telling everybody who her husband was and that he was important because he was on the board of the church and that basically they had to listen to her She had zero accountability. She just lorded over people. And you know me, I smell it when it hits the door because I didn't grow up in a pretty church with no problems. I got saved out of the world. So in order to protect myself in my testimony, I had to learn to smell it when it hit the door or I was going to get abused again. And so I don't care if you're Christian or not Christian. I smell you when you hit the door. (laughs) And I'm able to love you if what I smell says, I stink, but I but I'm open to being to not being stinky. I love those people, love them. I wasn't um, making a comment on staying in a toxic church. I was making okay. a comment if you're not in a church, you're not going to find a perfect one. Pray about it. If they're teaching the Word of God, that may be the place for you. And don't use excuses to keep yourself out of church. Right. You're not going to find a perfect one any more than you being perfect. And you're called a disciple. So you're going to, if you're in the right place, you're going to impact a church that's imperfect for the better. Amen. Amen. And that is something too, to consider church isn't just about us being fed. It's about being used to feed and love other people. In and the community and that, of the church. Yeah. And that's true. And I guess, you know, we've gone over time today. So thank you guys for sticking with us. But I am just going to close with by thanking you, Scott, for watching and for your comment. God bless the Girls Club, because we appreciate that. And we do we do need your prayers and we want your prayers. And and I I want to I want to pray for you guys today, for each and every one of us here. And as we close, Lord, we just, we give you girl club. We give you this time. We give you Monday mornings. We ask that you'll use this time to help us truly fellowship and be iron sharpening each other all over the world, Lord, that you would grow us and that you would bless us to be more like you, that you would help us father to love. Well, help us not just to talk about the shortcomings that we see, but to also see our own shortcomings and to seek solutions to help and to fill in the gap, stand in the gap for those shortcomings, Lord. Help us to be an answer because we love well. And Lord, I ask that you would bless each and every person watching 
And I, and that for those of you in the, in the sound of my voice in this prayer watching, that you would know that you are loved, that you were chosen, and that God isn't trying to lay a bunch of rules on you. He's trying to save you and elevate your life and show you how you were really created and show you that he is the author and the finisher of your faith. If you'll only submit, surrender, lean on him, call out to him, ask for him. He's there. He's there for each and every one of us and each and every person that doesn't think that they're worthy of a relationship with Christ. That's the devil lying to you because you're worthy. What parent would find their child unworthy of love? That's not the kind of God that we serve. So Lord, as we seek to have these conversations, these hard conversations about your bride, the church, of which we're all a part of, for better and sometimes worse, Lord, help us to not just bring truth and not just have these conversations, but Lord, to truly bring healing because we need healing. And you came to set the captives free and to bind up the brokenhearted, as as it says in Isaiah. And so we lean on you to truly do that, to set us free from the captivity of our broken hearts. In Jesus' name, we thank you. We love you. And we pray you'll have a great week. Amen. 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 Thank y'all for being a part of Girl Club. We love you guys. Have a great week. And we'll see you next Monday right here live, 9 o'clock in the morning uh, Pacific time, 11 a.m. Central Standard Time, 12 noon Eastern Time in New York. So for those of you in England and in South Africa and other places in the world like New Zealand and wherever you are, you can adjust your clocks um, according to that. Okay. I love you guys. Thank you so much. Love you. Powerful. Thanks, Roger. Thanks, Cynthia. Thank you, Roger. We love you too. (laughs) See you next week. See you. And one by one, I watched my dear friends get engaged, get married start having children and especially as a woman I felt like there was a certain timeline that these things needed to happen in my life. Charity Gale shares a personal testimony on The Walk, a podcast for worshipers. Join us weekly to hear songwriters, worship leaders, filmmakers, and other creatives tell their stories in the form of a devotional. The Walk can be found on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast platform.